Good morning, everyone. Again, currently we are in a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit, and um, I asked my media consultant if I should use the the diagram again, and uh, Manny, our media consultant, give me some shout out here, brother, and says, well, just 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 show them. Don't 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 draw it this time. So, right. and and by providence it, it was still here from last week so there it is i guess god's always around right all right so we the bible teaches us that there is one true and living god and that this god is infinite eternal and unchangeable and is being wisdom power holiness justice goodness and truth and everything we know about god is within this circle But the Bible also teaches us that there are three members of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are same substance, equal in power and glory. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. They all are defined by their Godness. But we see that the Scriptures identify for us the three members of the Godhead so we can see their defining roles. We see that the role of the Father is primarily as creator and sustainer. The role of the Son is primarily redeemer and Lord. And the role of the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our guide. Now, the word person is not to suggest that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are people but rather it's a device to show their functionality together in oneness. Their functionality together in oneness. That they are all in one unison to fulfill their purpose as God. Now the Bible teaches us as when a person believes in Christ, they immediately receive the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit dwells in them. Paul writes in Ephesians, After listening to the truth of the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. So, when we heard the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, when we believed, then at that point we were sealed in Christ, With the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. The promise of the Spirit is to you and to your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call unto himself. Amen? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the Bible teaches us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, indeed The Spirit of God indwells us. Now, I want to just point out this morning that the scope of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is multifaceted. I want you to see the full range, if you would, of the work of the Holy Spirit so that you might become more dependent upon Him in your life in bringing glory to to the Father. I want to list list some of the wondrous works of the Holy Spirit that is available for all of us in Christ. 
First of all, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit works salvation in our hearts. Jesus said to Nicodemus, That which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. And then he gives an illustration. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. You do not know where it comes from. You do not know where it's going. So it is that everyone who is born in the spirit, the spirit of God comes into our lives and does a work of salvation in our hearts. He does this by applying to us the redemption purchased by Christ. Christ has purchased the redemption and he takes that redemption, that full redemption, and he applies it fully unto us. He works faith in us, convincing us of our sin and misery. He enlightens our minds in the knowledge of Christ. He renews our will in that we really do want to glorify God with our lives. And he persuades and enables us to embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. See, the Holy Spirit works salvation in our hearts. Amen? We also see that the Holy Spirit teaches us the truth of God's Word. Jesus told us that when he, that is the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. See, the Holy Spirit is just not the author of Scripture. Of course, we realize that the Holy Spirit inspired the authors of the, the human authors of the Bible, inspired them, breathed, if you would, into them the very words of God, and they were enabled to write it down on parchment. So he's not only the author of the Scriptures, but he's also the one who guides us and how we are to walk out the word of God in our lives. I tell you, he will never contradict himself. He'll never go against the teachings of Jesus. He will never slander the Father. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. The Holy Spirit also is the one who convicts us of sin. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Helper, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, notice, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. When you're convicted of sin, it's not the little angel on your shoulder. It's the Holy Spirit who indwells you. And the Holy Spirit not only convicts you of sin, but the Holy Spirit enables you to be able to resist temptation, to fight off the evil one, and to really live for the glory of God. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another comforter, that he may be with you forever that is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who comforts us. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. Well, who is the one who comforts those who are mourning? It's the Holy Spirit of God. And, of course, we've already pointed out that he helps us in our weaknesses. There's times when we don't even know how to pray as we ought. 
We're so confused. We're, we're so turned around. But the Holy Spirit, He intercedes for us. He helps us in our times of weakness. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us spiritual gifts. The apostle writes to the church at Corinth. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. That is for the whole body of Christ. But one and the same spirit works all these things. Distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now, in times past, people want to look at the gifts of the Spirit as some type of way of figuring out your personality type. Listen, God already knows your personality type. He, for when you were in your mother's womb, he'd already ordained what type of personality that you have, the type of person that you would be, your height, your weight. Well, maybe too much of that. But anyway, he's already determined all that. This is not, a, this is not some sort of test to determine your personality. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, something that you're lacking, something that you don't have, that you need to glorify God. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit that he gives to each one individually. And it's not just one gift. If you're trusting the Holy Spirit just for one gift, you are really selling yourself short. You want all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Okay, an amen would have been okay. If I was in a Pentecostal church, I maybe would have gotten one. All right. The Holy Spirit also produces spiritual fruit in us. The fruit of the Spirit, the Apostle teaches us, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things there is no law. These are the fruits of the Holy Spirit that he wants to produce in our lives. The Holy Spirit also empowers us to be a worldwide witness of Christ. The Church of Jesus Christ is the international business of God in the world today. And the Holy Spirit is the one who calls out missionaries. The Holy Spirit is the one who calls out pastors and teachers. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables the body of Christ to be able to give offerings and, and so that these labors can go out throughout the whole entire world. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in us, enabling us, empowering us to be witnesses of Christ in our personal lives, in our public lives, and in the worldwide endeavor of God amongst us. Amen? Amen. So you can see that the Holy Spirit's got a lot of work to do. You can see that the scope of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is multifaceted. It's not one-dimensional, it's broad, and it's intense. But the question set before us this morning is this. Do we utilize the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Do we utilize the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Or do we restrain His work in us? Restraining the Spirit. I believe that we, together, including myself, 
restrain the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're worse off for it. There's an episode in the book of Numbers chapter 11 where Moses is experiencing conflict with the people of Israel as they're on their journey to the promised land. Remember that the Lord had delivered the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. But not only did he deliver them out of bondage, but he had ordered them, he had organized them, he had cleansed them, he had blessed them. And in addition to that, he had given them his guiding presence to lead them to the promised land. What a God. Now, when they were on their way, they immediately started to complain. The people who had been delivered, ordered, organized, cleansed, blessed, given God's guiding promises and, and provisions of guidance. As soon as they hit the sand, they're complaining. And what are they complaining about? They want to go back to Egypt. As Keith Green would say, where it's warm and secure. They want to go back to Egypt. God is leading them to the promised land. But they want to go back to Egypt. In Numbers chapter 11, it tells us that they had greedy desires. And as they wept before God, this is what they said. Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we used to eat freely in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried up. You see, because of their greedy desires, the children of Israel were setting their minds on the things of the flesh. They were not setting their minds on the things of above. They were setting their minds on the things of of this earth. They were not setting their mind on the Spirit of God. The children of God, instead of celebrating their adoption, were complaining against God. Instead of praising God for their sonship, they wanted to return to slavery. Instead of enjoying God's provisions, only thing they could think about is the delicious cuisine of Egypt. Totally set on the things of this earth. And what's the result of all this? They say it themselves with tears coming down their face. Our souls are dried up. Instead of celebrating, praising, and enjoying God's presence and provisions, they were complaining, and as a result... Their souls were dried up. The Bible teaches us that godliness with contentment is great gain. But the complaining of the children of Israel was restraining them from experiencing the full outpouring of the Spirit of God in their lives. That's the reason why their souls were dried up. They had restrained the work of God in them. 
Instead of being refreshed and renewed they, by the continual outpouring of the Spirit of God, their souls were dried up. Now Moses felt a very huge responsibility for the children of God. And when he heard all this complaining, when he had heard that they were setting their minds on the things of this earth, instead of setting their minds on Christ, he was frustrated. You can see why. But the Bible also tells us that he felt alone, like no one else was there to help him. So he told the Lord, this is Moses telling the Lord, I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. So the Lord instructed Moses to gather the 70 elders of the people to gather around the tent of meeting. Now, the 70 elders of the people were the chosen representatives of the people of God to be their leaders, to be the, the, the ones that would lead them into divine truth, that would guide them, that would be someone that they could go to, someone, it's their representative. He, he's right there. So the Lord says, all right, Moses, I, I, I sense your frustration. I know you feel alone. I, I hear your prayers. So I tell you what you do. Just gather the 70 elders around the tent of meeting and I will give them an extra dose of the Holy Ghost. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, that's how the Pentecostals say it. Gather those 70 guys around the tent of meeting, and I'll give them an extra dose of the Holy Ghost. And so the elders gathered. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit rested on them, and they prophesied. Now, basically what that means is that they began proclaiming the word of God with boldness and authority to the people. Now, it wasn't just Moses telling them all the word of God, what God has had for them and really trying to correct them and train them and lead them. Now he's got it's 71 of them. It's Moses along with the 70 others. Can you just believe? Can you just sense how energized Moses must have felt at that moment? Can you only imagine how encouraged he was knowing that now he wasn't alone preaching the word of God. He wasn't the, one, the only one telling the people of God the truths of God's word and challenging them to surrender to the word of God. Now he has 70 guys helping him with this extra dose of the Holy Ghost. Now, as Moses was just really enjoying this, the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 11 that a young man ran up to Moses and told him that two of the elders, two of the 70s elders, did not get the memo to gather around the temple. The Bible actually lists their names. I'm not even going to try to say them because I'll just mess it up. But we, the Bible doesn't tell us why these two didn't come to the tent of meeting. It just says those two didn't do it. Now, these two guys could have just been minding their own business. They could have been just doing their own thing somewhere else in the camp. But they had not gathered with the other 68. 
And the young man told Moses that the spirit had rested on these two guys. These two guys who were outside the camp and that they too were prophesying. Now, you wouldn't think that this is a big deal. It wouldn't, you didn't think this situation of these two elders not being together with the 68 elders and they missed the memo or whatever the case may be. You wouldn't think that's a big deal. At least they're prophesying, right? At least God got all 70 of them. But Joshua, Moses' protege, felt that these two elders had disrespected Moses. By not showing up at the tent of meeting. And Joshua says to Moses, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. Restrain them. Restrain the Spirit of God in them. Now, this word restrain is a strong word, it means to. Restrain, restrict, it's used actually to bind up a prisoner and taking him into jail. It means to hold that person back, make sure they can't go forward. Basically, what Joshua was saying was, tell them to shut up and to stop it. (laughs) Tell them to quit abiding in the spirit. Wow. Joshua was requesting for Moses to restrain the Spirit's work in the lives of these two men. But before we become too critical about Joshua, let's let's just take a moment and look to ourselves. And ask ourselves, do I restrain the Spirit's work in my life? And I think if we're honest, we're going to say yes. Let me suggest to you some ways I believe we restrain the Spirit's work in our lives by using the same list that I used at the beginning of the sermon. First of all, I believe we restrain the Spirit's work in our lives by a lack of faith that the Holy Spirit can bring people to salvation in Christ. I believe that we often think certain people are too far gone Their situation is too overwhelming and the mountain of their sins is too big. And we restrain the Holy Spirit in our own thoughts, in our own minds, in our own prayers and say, God can't work salvation in them. They're just too far gone. We lack the faith to believe that God can move mountains. Amen. We lack the faith to know that, the, that nothing is impossible to, for God, no matter who the person is and no matter what they've done, God can bring forgiveness because Jesus' salvation is full and complete. Amen? And if you have a, a brother or a sister or a father or a mother or a workmate, a family member, or a, work, a work associate that needs Christ, you need to have faith believing that the Holy Spirit can work salvation in their heart. And quit restraining the Holy Spirit, thinking, uh, they'll, they'll, never, they'll never come to Christ. 
I believe that we restrain the Spirit by thinking that the Holy Spirit can't speak to certain people. Maybe because of their religious upbringing. Maybe because of their background. Maybe they're a Muslim or a Buddhist. And as soon as you hear that, Holy Spirit can't do nothing about that. We think that a person is too calloused, too much drug abuse, too much alcohol abuse, too much this, too much that. There's no way the Holy Spirit can speak to their life. They're so deaf to the word of God. Our brothers and sisters, we just lack faith to believe that the spirit of God can pierce through deceitful thoughts and intentions. We lack a spiritual expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to show up and work wonders amongst us. I believe we restrain the Spirit by not trusting Him to convict of sin. I think we lack faith for the Holy Spirit to work in a person's heart to a place where they have a heart of repentance. I think we restrain the Holy Spirit And thinking that he can't help us to overcome certain sins in our lives. Uh, He can do this one, but not that one. I believe we restrain the Spirit of God by, by not seeking him during times of comfort. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the Holy Spirit wants to comfort you in your time of mourning. But you will not call out to him. You want to hold it. You want to keep it. For what? We restrain the Holy Spirit by not allowing him to to be our help in the midst of our confusion. We're so prideful, we won't even tell the Holy Spirit, I don't know how to pray right now. I'm so confused, I'm so bewildered, I don't even know how to pray. And because of that, because of our pride, we will not just let the Holy Spirit intercede for us. I believe we restrain the Spirit By not asking him to give us spiritual gifts. Now you might not know anything about spiritual gifts. I'm going to just tell you a little bit about them now. You might have already received what I would consider bad teaching about the the spiritual gifts. I just want to clearly say, and I know some of you won't know a clue, have a clue what I'm saying right now, is I believe that there's no such thing as revelational gifts right now. There's no gifts of the Spirit that gives further revelation. That all revelational gifts cease with the apostles. But I'm telling you, there's a whole list of other gifts <laughs> that are at our disposal. I think sometimes people with our pedigree are afraid to ask the Holy Spirit for spiritual gifts because we don't want anybody to think that we're a Pentecostal or a charismatic. But Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Can't you see the Trinitarian formula here? Is you ask the Holy Spirit to give you spiritual gifts And Jesus gives you that spiritual gift so that you may glorify the Father through the Son. (laughs) It's a Trinitarian boom, boom, boom in a person's life. 
I believe we restrain the Spirit by not asking Him to give us spiritual gifts. We lack wisdom, but we won't ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. We lack discernment, but we won't ask the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of discernment. We lack a servant's heart, but we won't ask the Holy Spirit to give us a servant's heart. We lack liberality, but we won't ask the Holy Spirit to give us liberality. And these are all spiritual gifts listed in the Bible which are for you. Santa Claus wants to come to town. <laughs> I believe we restrain the Holy Spirit by not asking him to crucify our flesh with its passions and desires and replace it with producing the, the fruits of the Spirit in us. You want joy? Well, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> Won't you ask the Holy Spirit for it? You want peace? Well, peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Won't you ask the Holy Spirit for it? You want patience? Well, patience is one of the fruits of the You want me to keep on going on here? Get the idea? You're lacking. He's there to fulfill your lack. Only thing you've got to do is ask. Jesus says, seek, and what? You will find. Keep on seeking, and you'll keep on finding. I believe we restrain the Spirit by not seeking His empowerment to be a witness for Christ in the world. We don't ask Him for boldness, to speak to our family members, our work associates, our friends, our neighbors. I went home from Bible college after my freshman year and I really wasn't a very good example to my high school buddies. Thank God I was never nominated to be on the Supreme Court. <laughs> but I've been through a year of Bible college and I really wanted to share my faith with my good buddies. And uh, one of my new friends from Bible college came and visited me for a week or so. His name was Ed. And Ed and I went over to hang out with Donnie one afternoon. We played some basketball like we usually do. And then after that, we, you know, sat on the hood of the car and talked and talked and talked and talked. And then my friend Ed from Bible college says, Donnie, I don't know what Brian's doing right now. But I know he really does want to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. And since he's not doing it, I'm just going to take his place and do it right now for him. What's my point? Is I didn't ask. I was so intimidated about losing my friendship. I was so intimidated about the idea of that I might be looked down on or looked as a kind of some sort of spiritual weirdo now. But the Bible tells me that I should not have the spirit of intimidation. But rather I should ask the Holy Spirit for power, for boldness, to be able to be a witness for Christ. And I think that many times we restrain the work of the Spirit by not asking for that type of boldness. Well, back to Numbers chapter 11. Remember Joshua said to Moses, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. And Moses replied, Would that all 
the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses, he wasn't content with the 70. He wanted the whole lot. Oh, that all of the Lord's people were prophets. Oh, that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. Moses was looking forward to our day. This day. He was looking forward to the last days. And the last days is a period of time from the ascension of Christ to his second coming. Moses was looking for the days of the new covenant. When the Lord would pour out his spirit upon all who believe in Christ. Oh, that all of God's people were full of the spirit. The Lord had prophesied to the prophet Joel years later. And it shall come a pass in the last days, God says, I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind. And this prophecy was fulfilled at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. And it's still being fulfilled in the lives of God's people today. The Lord has promised to pour out his spirit upon our sons and our daughters The Lord has promised to pour out his spirit upon the young and the old. The Lord has promised to pour out his spirit upon the rich and the poor. The Lord has promised to pour out his spirit upon men and women. Oh, Lord, pour out thy spirit upon us so that all of us. That the Holy Spirit would rest on all of us. And that we would not think of restraining you any longer. The Lord says, I will, I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. And that's what we should expect. Our prayer should be, Lord, pour your spirit on me. It should include a sense of confession. Lord, I, I don't want to restrain your spirit anymore. Lord, I want the fullness of your spirit to be poured out in my life and I'm going to start asking and asking and asking and asking and asking and asking because you promised me that the work of the spirit would be amongst all your people. I hope that's your prayer today. Brothers and sisters, we are blessed to live in the day that we live in. The day that Moses dreamed of. The day when the Lord would pour out his spirit upon all people. Let us not squander this day. Desiring to go back to Egypt. Desiring to live as a slave in sin instead of a child of God. Let us not waste this opportunity by complaining against God. Or restraining his spirit. Let us ask God to pour his spirit upon our lives on all of us. Let's celebrate and enjoy the provisions of the spirit, his person, his presence and his power amongst us. Let's seek his work of salvation and guidance and his word and the conviction that leads to a heart of repentance. Let's seek his comfort and earnestly desire spiritual gifts and the fruit of the spirit to be produced in us. And let us seek his empowerment so that we'll be witness for Christ until the day he comes or the day he takes us away. 
Let's stop being people, the people of God, whose souls are dried up. Because we're restraining the work of the Spirit. Let's be a people that are being constantly refreshed and renewed by the Spirit day by day. And if that's your desire, then you can pray with me right now and let's give ourselves to God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you today and we thank you that you have promised to pour out your spirit upon us. Lord, we confess to you today that we often restrain the work of your spirit in us. Possibly through ignorance, possibly because of bad teaching, possibly because of intimidation. You only know why. But Lord, our souls are dried up. And Lord, we come to you today and ask you to pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Everyone in this room, just like you promised. And pray, Lord, that you wouldn't just do it in this time so we can have some sort of spiritual experience to talk about. But we pray that you'll do it day by day, moment by moment, second by second, so that we would be the people of God in the world today. Pour out your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.